0: Well, Merry Christmas, and welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This is Pastor Dave, um, and you are listening to the top seven episodes of 2022. Um, Before we get into the sermon, we do have a very quick announcement for you. Yes, that is regarding this coming Thursday at 8.30 p.m. We're having a live meetup for vbph sermon podcast listeners whether you are a premium subscriber or you like to listen to all the ads we -hmm. want you to be a part of this meetup Uh, there is going to be a link in the show notes uh, for this live meetup we want to make that available for everyone where we want to get suggestions from you we want to hear feedback from you it's going to be a fun hour so please come and join us this coming thursday at 8 30 p.m east coast time we look forward to seeing you guys there and now to the sermon which was released on september the 11th of this year uh the top sunday sermon is taking care of the temple by our very own pastor adam dragoon hope you enjoy yeah this is one i need to listen to again (laughs) (laughs) oh thank god for fellowship thank god that we can uh, we can be together and we can have uh, a common bond of, of faithfulness tonight we're so grateful for each and every person this evening. We want to uh, open up our Bibles this evening and believe God to help us once again. Um, when uh, when I am uh, planning for Sunday services, oftentimes as I'm thinking about what to preach, uh, it's uh, it's always difficult to to gauge uh, who is going to be in which service, and uh, you know I. I I'm not out there making appointments about who's going to be where. <laughs> and so, um, you know, as I, as I think about Sundays, oftentimes what I'm trying to do, especially for Sundays when you have two services in one day, um, I'm trying to, especially Sunday morning, focus in on uh, something that's going to be really helpful and, and minister to a the widest range of people. And often Sunday nights I find myself uh, focusing in on some issues and some areas that maybe are less common to hear preached over the pulpit and to kind of zero in on something that the Bible would have to say to us uh, and so this is one of those types of messages tonight where uh, I've been uh, I've been preaching the gospel for a long time uh, more than I care to admit uh, since I was twenty five years old uh, you can do the math and uh, I don't think I could probably count on one hand and maybe less than three fingers how many times I've preached on this particular topic and yet it is a topic that is mentioned by the Bible uh, in many places and uh, so you know the job of a preacher is to represent the whole counsel of God it is to shout where the Bible shouts and whisper where the Bible whispers and so tonight I want to share with you um, a message that even may uh, convict me a little bit tonight and uh, and those are always my favorite ones <laughs> so we're gonna read together 1st uh, Corinthians chapter 6 if you will join me there 1st Corinthians chapter 6 I want to read a couple of verses there and I want to begin by asking you this question how would you react if you rolled up to church tonight in your vehicle and parked your car and you noticed that this exterior door was open And somebody had backed up a pickup truck to that door. And in the back of that pickup truck was some old, tattered, dirty, messed up furniture. And they were dumping all of that dirty furniture and trash into the door and dumping it right there uh, inside of our church building. How would you feel about that? Probably not good. Uh, What if... uh, what if uh, there was somebody who had some kind of uh some kind of problem with the church or uh somebody in the church and so they decided they're gonna they're gonna do something a, a little bit devious they're gonna they're gonna bring in some uh some dead rats and some critters and hide them in places so that their dead rotting corpses will stink the place up Would you be okay with that no we we like to have a nice facility here don't we right uh what what if uh well, what, one more one more idea to put in your mind. What if on Saturday night there were a, a large group of teenagers or young party group age people who decided to make a campfire out in our parking lot and have an all night party, and they started leaving huge uh, mess with trash and and uh, and uh, and litter and burden marks on the parking lot, would we be okay with that? No, not at all. We wouldn't want that. We, would we, if, if it happened one time, would we, would we allow it to happen again? No, no. We would have to call the police. We would have to defend our property. We would have to make sure. And, and the reason is because here we have this facility that God has given us, a church building, and we want to be good stewards of it. We want to take care of it. We want to also, we want to create an environment and a place here that people can come in and feel welcome and feel comfortable, right? And all of those things are important. A church building is not everything. We don't need the church building to worship Jesus. But it sure does help quite a bit, correct? All right. So with that thought in mind, if we have that kind of care and concern for an inanimate building, that we are sitting in tonight, the Bible tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so if we are so zealous to defend the honor of our church building, and at the same time willing to put all kinds of junk into our own bodies, that doesn't belong there, we stink ourselves up, with chemicals and unnatural substances, and oftentimes we wear ourselves out by waking up too early or going to bed too late and leaving our bodies exhausted and unable to recover and our minds constantly frazzled, how can we defend our church building without having the same thought, I need to defend the temple of the Holy Spirit that God has given me, which is our physical body. So I want to preach a message I've titled, Taking Care of the Temple. And I want to read one scripture here, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verses 19 and 20, where that scripture comes from. Something far more valuable than any possession you could ever own, uh, any material you could ever purchase. Something that God wants us to have tonight is health, well-being, and fitness for our physical bodies. This is something worth thinking about tonight One Corinthians 6 verse 19 the apostle Paul reminds us don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God you do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price so you must honor God with Your body. That means something tonight, doesn't it? Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the spirit of the living God. And for the promise, Lord, that you have sent that same spirit which raised Christ from the dead into our hearts, into our minds, and yes, even into our physical bodies. God, I'm praying that you would awaken once again a care and concern, Lord, for this temple that you've given us for a temporary time on this earth. God, that you would renew, God, our concern about it. God, so that we might have extended years and that we might be able to do more for you in the time that you've given us. And we give you glory tonight in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Amen. I want to begin by thinking about the price. Our scripture mentioned that God has purchased us. He has bought us. That we do not belong to ourselves. And the basis for understanding this is a realization that you are not owned by you. When we talk about bodily autonomy, when we talk about being able to make decisions for ourselves, oftentimes we're talking about spiritual principles and, you know, about being prideful and making decisions for ourselves. Well, I want to just remind you tonight that this also applies to our physical bodies. That Jesus, the price that was paid for us on the cross, what was he paying for? Was he paying for us to have a reserved place in glory? Yes, he was. Was he also purchasing and paying for uh, the redemption of your sins so that you could be washed clean? Yes, he was. That's a spiritual truth. But do you also suppose tonight that when Jesus Christ was paying the price, That he was also purchasing our bodies, the vessels that he has given us to live and to move in during our time on earth. Is it possible that he also was purchasing that? Or is that not part of the bargain tonight? I believe our scripture is very clear for God bought you with a high price, and so you must honor God with your mind, with your soul right, with your thoughts, but here it says we should honor God with our body. We don't often make this connection. And yet the Bible speaks about this in many places that our bodies have something to do with the will of God. And oftentimes I have been, uh, I've been saddened to see many people who cannot accomplish the will of God or are hindered in doing the will of God simply because of a physical limitation that God forbid that we would not be able to do the things God wants us to do because we have not taken good care of our bodies how many know tonight that your body is very complex how many here uh, like to work on cars and fix vehicles I mean I like it for about one hour after that I'm done take it to the mechanic take it to mr. (laughs) Alonzo And yet, as complex as your car is, how many nuts and bolts hold your car together? Like hundreds, right? How many pieces, components, belts? How many, uh, how many uh, pieces of metal, uh, leather, uh, rubber, electrical components, computer? And, and that's just so you can push on a pedal and make your car go forward, correct? It's a very complex piece of machinery, and yet we depend on it every day. I want to tell you, your body, and not just your physical body, But the balance between your physical and mental health is an extremely complex machine. This is what the Bible says about our our bodies. Psalm 139, 14. Thank you. This is a prayer of David. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well do I know it? If you've ever taken a biology class or an anatomy class, you will be amazed at how the body works together just so you can uh, function, just so you can uh, wake up and b- have a useful time on planet Earth, right? It's an incredible thing. All of the different systems and organs and blood vessels and veins and arteries and organs and, and the brain and the heart and the lungs. and it, it is incredibly complex so that scientists, even to this day, do not fully comprehend how everything works. We still haven't figured it out. And God made it. God made us to be these finely tuned machines. And it's almost like we got this amazing machine, so complex, so perfectly tuned, and God didn't give us a manual. You know, if you purchase a vehicle off the lot, usually in the dashboard, they still include some kind of a manual what does this button do what does that pedal what what does this knob if I turn it and and at least we know what things do but you know when you were born there was no manual attached to your ankle and yet what we have to remember tonight God has given us a manual God has given us some instructions he has revealed some truth about not only how to live and how to make decisions but also how to treat our bodies and our minds. Romans 12, verse 1. Listen to this scripture. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is, the, this is truly the way to worship Him. And so, yes, uh, we we should give our minds, our thought life, our cares, our concerns. We need to surrender our will to the kingdom of God. Those are all critical, and you hear sermons about those almost every week. But that scripture and many others say that we need to give our bodies to God also. Let me ask you tonight, is your body presented to the Lord? See, this is why you can't square uh, the... The idea that you can both be a homosexual or involved in any kind of sexual sin and be a believer in Jesus Christ. That does not work. It does not compute. In fact, the scripture that we started with in 1 Corinthians, uh, if you were to read one scripture before, it says these words, flee sexual immorality very clearly. And because uh, then it goes on to say your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and that you do not belong to yourself. And so the body has its own inclinations. Everybody's got desires. Everybody's got sinful uh, uh, desires that lead us away into temptation and into sin. We know that. And yet what the Bible says is that you don't have to give in to every sinful desire that your body produces. Is that true? I I better keep going before I deviate. God is not just interested in our minds, in our hearts, in our will. He is interested in our total person, which includes your body. Your body is important to the will of God. It's kind of hard to to think about, isn't it? And and don't get me wrong tonight, I'm not fat-shaming anybody. I've got my own issues when it comes to keeping the pounds off. So I'm including myself in this sermon, don't get me wrong tonight. But I do want to say that God is interested in helping us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your, listen, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. See, when Jesus died on the cross, what was He purchasing? He was purchasing your spirit. That's your spiritual life, your connection to God. Your soul as well. What is your soul? Your soul is the non-physical part of you besides the spiritual part. You have your mind, your will, your emotions, Jesus, your psychological life. Jesus was purchasing that. But he also tonight purchased your body, your physical life, how we communicate with the physical world around us. When your spirit is right, you become holy. When your soul is right, you become happy. And when your body is right, you become healthy. And so the Word of God can show us here tonight that a well-tuned person can be holy, happy, and healthy. That would be pretty good, wouldn't it? And if you would be holy, happy, and healthy, of course, this doesn't guarantee that you're not going to contract some disease later on in life we don't know that for sure but i want to tell you your days and your years would be better if then if you are unholy unhappy and unhealthy is that true which one is better holy happy healthy or unholy unhappy unhealthy i don't think we can even compare them 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. One more time, listen to this. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Let me ask you, have you put any thought or any any work into making your body blameless? Perhaps you've prayed, Lord, make my soul uh, clean, cleanse me. Purify me. Make me holy. You know, that's a good prayer for us to pray. Have we also prayed a similar prayer? God, make my body blameless before you. That's what the scripture says. It doesn't necessarily mean that we will have perfect health tomorrow. In fact, nobody's going to have perfect health until we get new resurrected bodies. But what it can mean tonight is that God can point us in the right direction. And we can become, just like we can become more holy, we can become more happy, it's true also that we can become more healthy. And so tonight, let me just talk about some physical ailments because this is, uh, this is important for us to understand. We, there is sickness in our world. There, there are physical limitations that we have to deal with. And a lot of it, not a lot, all of it, originates from the curse of sin. Let's just be clear about that. Sickness and death is all a result of sin. Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. Adam's sin brought death, and death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. This is the principle of original sin, which means that in Adam we have all sinned. Because of that sin in the garden, he has passed the curse of sin to every generation that has come since. And because of the curse of sin, this is where sickness comes from. Now, there have been uh, cases on both extreme sides, right? So you have an example of a tip-top shape Olympic figure, someone who trains their whole life and exercises and eats right, and then at 45 drops of a heart attack. That's, that is a thing that happens sometimes. On the other end of the scale, you have people like George Burns who smoke stogies every day and live a wild lifestyle and drink alcohol and live to 99. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a healthy lifestyle but lived a long time. So there are anomalies here. But generally speaking, the reason why we get sick and the reason why we ultimately die, our bodies will die, is because... Of sin. There is also such a thing tonight as sickness and illness that is a result of breaking God's moral laws. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30 and 31 is very interesting. When Paul is giving instructions about the communion and how to take the Lord's Supper, he mentions this. Many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. And so he's making a point that some people who have treated the Lord's Supper as something that is uh, meaningless, who have trampled upon the blood of Jesus by treating it as unimportant, Paul is saying, well, that has created sickness and illness and even death in some people. Pastor, are you saying that everybody who gets sick is because there's some kind of sin existing in their life? Well, we know that there is sin in everybody's life that results in death. And I'm not the one to judge. All I know is what the Bible says is that there is such a thing as illness that is the result of sin. That's something that you've got to believe God for and and, uh, pray to God about in your life. There are those who also become sick because they've been afflicted by Satan. Think of this. We know that Job. Remember in Job that uh, that God allowed Job to aff- God allowed Satan to afflict Job with physical ailments, with boils on his body. So that's a thing. Sickness can be the result of a satanic or an attack from hell. Even the Apostle Paul he knew well about this. Second Corinthians twelve. I have received such wonderful revelation from God. To keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. A messenger, listen, from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. He prayed three times to be delivered from this thorn, this physical ailment that he had. We don't know what it was. And when he prayed, God told him, I'm not going to heal you. My grace is enough, is sufficient for you. But did that pain come from the Lord? Did that sickness come from the Lord? No. God allowed it to continue for a purpose, for a reason. Sometimes there is sickness, there is illness as a result of discipline. Whoa, watch out. Psalm 119, 71. My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees, to your laws. Sometimes, how many know you have to be flat on your back? before you can look up and see God with greater clarity. Sometimes we get sick because of simple violation against God's natural laws. Listen, you can't, you can't jump off the top story of, a, of an apartment building and expect that everything's going to be okay. I don't believe in gravity! Wee! That doesn't make any sense. There are laws of the physical universe. There are also laws of a moral universe. And you can't expect to live a life telling lies all day every day and expect no consequence. You can't expect a life of stealing and uh, larceny and uh, hurting people and expect no result from that. that. Those are moral laws that God has given. The same is true with our bodies. We can't expect to eat Cheetos and Mountain Dew every day and not have a consequence If you have a Wawa diet you will have a Wawa body, okay? That is natural law of the universe. <laughs> the Bible tells us that we are not supposed to let our bodies rule our minds. It should be the other way around. That our minds and our soul are supposed to rule our body. See, what our body, our, our physical body, our physical body should be a servant, not a master. For some people, your body has become the thing that tells you what to do and what not to do. And that's a problem. We should keep ourselves to a certain level of health so that I can say to my body, no, this is what you're going to do today. Of course, with varying degrees of obedience over the years. But as time goes by, you want your body to be your servant. But if we abuse that servant, if we don't treat it well, it will rise up and hurt you. Some people value money more than they value health. What will you do when you're facing death? Will you purchase more days? Money is the most envied, but it is the least enjoyed. Health, on the other hand, is the least envied virtue, but it is the most enjoyed. Remember what Jesus said Matthew twelve, Matthew 9, verse 12? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. We know he had a spiritual application there. But many times we're trying to break God's natural laws and then go to the doctor and say, what's wrong with me? And so I want to give you some some hope. What does our temple need? How can we take care of this temple that God has given to us? Well, the first thing I want to remind you of tonight is discipline. So remember tonight that discipline is related to the word disciple. You cannot be a disciple without discipline. Now this is very common teaching and very common practice when we talk about spiritual things. We talk about the disciplines of Christianity like prayer and Bible reading and church attendance and witnessing and those are all things that we have to do to maintain spiritual health with God, correct? If it's true spiritually, there is also truth to our physical lives. Sometimes we need simply a little bit more discipline in what we eat, what we drink, what we put into our bodies, and how we give ourselves enough rest. So if we are breaking God's laws about what we eat, then we shouldn't be surprised when there's bad consequences. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let me, let, think about what you've been eating for the last week. Would it give glory to God? I see people smirking around here. (laughs) You know, the Bible does say what kind of uh, foods are good to eat. Things like uh, whole grains and herbs and fish and birds and clean animals. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting that when you see what kind of animals were saved on the ark, right, we know that there was a pair of every kind of animal. But then there was another category that God saved seven pairs of this particular kind of animal you know what what kind it was it was the clean ones the ritually clean animals like sheep and doves those ones that, that God had purposed for his people to eat and God said those ones wow take seven pairs of those ones because we need lots of them Genesis 7:2: take with you seven pairs male and female of each animal I've approved for eating and for sacrifice and take only one pair of the others. So God said, "There is a there is a difference between the kind of animals that I want you to eat, and those other kinds of animals that don't even think about eating those. They're unclean." Now, when you look at the division, now we know this is this is you know this is Old Testament. This is Mosaic Law. This is you know this is uh, actually this is before Mosaic Law. This was before Moses. But basically, the, the categories are those that are scavengers and those that are not scavengers so we know that God allowed the eating of some birds but not others and you think about why this bird but not that bird aren't they all just birds and the idea is that there are some birds like ravens for example which are scavengers what do they do they eat on dead bodies all day right God says you better stay away from that to me this is a picture and you know if you have a disagreement about a this point of theology, I won't argue with you. But to me, to see that God told his people, stay away from things that eat dead and decaying flesh, that is a picture of junk food. (laughs) And the type of diet that is mass-produced and commercialized in our society today, if you've done any kind of traveling around the world, you'll be amazed at the kind of fresh foods that are available in other places we don't have access to or to gain access to it you have to pay double the price to get that kinda we lived in Bulgaria for four and a half years and it was amazing we could we could walk out of our apartment and walk uh, a quarter mile down the road to a tiny little market stand that these farmers would grow produce on their farms and they would bring it into town and set up a little shop i want to tell you that it looked ugly but it had the best flavor And the best content, the best, I mean, because it was totally natural and organic. Put a seed in the ground, treat it right, makes a crop. In most of American diet and culture, like, we don't even get good stuff. It's not even presented to us as an option. You go to the grocery store and you're seeing things that look beautiful on the outside. They got just the right color and just the right sheen, but you slice it open and it tastes like a shoe. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not great. And why is that? Because there's a lot of reasons. that I don't, Maybe another sermon. But, but we have to... Yeah, it's cheaper and it lasts longer on the shelf. But a lot of it is the scavenger mentality. Proverbs 23. Ah, this is a good one. You're going to love this. Proverbs 23, verses 1 through 3. When dining with a ruler, pay attention to what is put before you. If you are a big eater... Put a knife to your throat. Don't desire all the delicacies, for he might be trying to trick you. (laughs) There is a truth, there's a nugget of truth there, that there is a simple discipline that you and I can practice. Hey, i got to be honest, this is one I struggle with. Portion control. Eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. If if that was the only thing that you got out of this sermon tonight, I would be a happy person, happy pastor. Eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. And that, I want to tell you, man, that simple discipline can change a lot. We should eat foods in the way that God created them, as much as possible. We should eat foods in the correct proportion. There is physical exercise, which God created our bodies to do this. So here's one scripture that, Gets a lot of attention. First Timothy four verse eight, when Paul says, "Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life, and in the life to come." Now, some people use that verse as an excuse to never exercise. I'm just too spiritual for exercise, Pastor. I'm, I, I'm too busy praying, so um, I'm going to let my belly keep growing. <laughs> That's not what that verse means. (laughs) He said physical training is good. Training for godliness is even better. It doesn't mean that we should cut one out in favor of the other. I've seen people who spend so much time in the gym that they forgot what a Bible looks like. Even in churches. Giving too much attention to physical training. And forget their spiritual training. But the idea here is this is something that we can juggle. We can balance this. That you should physically train your body to be healthy and also train for godliness. That second one is even more important. But that doesn't mean that physical training is not important. We should be disciplined also in the matter of rest and sleep. Some of you are practicing that right now. Thank God. Psalm 127, verse 2. It is useless, you better better catch this tonight, don't worry, it'll be over soon. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning till late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to His loved ones. When you look at the original language there, it literally says, God is giving you time to sleep. Let me ask you, do you take the time that God has given you to sleep? to sleep. Isn't it interesting that when God made us, part of His creation is the need for physical rest? Like, Do you think that sleeping is part of the curse? The way that you can judge that is think about Adam and Eve. In Adam and Eve in the garden, before they fell in sin, do you think that they took naps in the garden? I think they did. I think it was part of the way that God created them. Do you think that in the new heaven, in the new earth, in the new Jerusalem, when we have perfected bodies, do you think we will go to sleep? I think probably we will. I can't you know, nail it down for certain. But if it was in the garden before the sin, we can suppose that it will be in eternity after sin is abolished forevermore. God intended for us to sleep. Why is that? Well, I think it's a daily reminder that we are not Him that you need something every day. You need sleep, you need rest, your body needs this. And some people spend their nights clicking away, popping the bubbles or crushing the candy or swiping the feed or binging the latest Netflix drama. You've got to be careful. We've got to be disciplined. It's just as important that we give our bodies the rest that is necessary. So that's number one, discipline. Second thing that we must have is a healthy state of mind. There is tonight a relationship between the health of our bodies and the health of our mind. There is is a reason why people who live stressful lives are oftentimes out of shape and very often... Uh, that that this is connected that fear and anxiety and depression is often connected with bad health as well physical health listen to this proverb Proverbs 15 17 a bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate don't you love Proverbs what that means is tonight that there is there is a price for a, a bad attitude for Surrounding yourself with negativity and, and, and people that, that stress you out. God wants to give us peace in our mind, which helps us to have health in our bodies. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. That same scripture again. The word for soul here is the word psyche. It's where we get the word psychology or psyche psychiatric it has to do with our mind so god wants to give us peace in our spirit in our soul and in our body there are two kinds of emotions that we process in life positive emotions which are healthy and negative emotions which are unhealthy you all know exactly what i'm talking about don't you there are times when you're full of hope and uh, and purpose and and feeling good about life and Man, it's easier to have discipline and do well when you're in that frame of mind. There's also times when you get depressed, fearful, have anxiety, right? When you're full of self-pity and woe is me, right? And all of that is unhealthy for the mind, which makes it a lot harder to be healthy in the body. We can, tonight, we can choose our emotions. That was like a bomb that just dropped in here. Did you know you can choose your emotions you can choose to wake up in the morning and say I'm gonna be in a good frame of mind today that is that is a that is a uh, discipline of mind Philippians 4 verse 7 you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand his peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus fix your eyes listen fix your eyes your thoughts on what is true Honorable, right, and pure, lovely, admirable. Think about those things which are excellent and worthy of praise. Some people treat their emotions and their thoughts like, uh, oh, I just woke up today and I'm just not feeling good. Like it was just something that happened to you. Like, oh, a dark cloud is on top of me today, and so, I, man, I'm feeling all this. You don't have to do that. You can choose to focus on things that are honorable and right and pure. I'm not saying it's easy but I'm saying you can do it and the more that we keep a healthy frame of mind the 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 easier it is we can have a healthy body as well you can reject bad thoughts yes you can don't argue with me of course you can if you have an evil thought that enters your mind we know that the enemy can do that he can shoot fiery darts over the wall sometimes And they land and start setting things on fire. You know, that's why we have the shield of faith. And you can say, no, I am not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to remove that fiery dart. And I'm going to think about something good and positive. I'm going to think about how God forgave me. I'm going to think about the life that he saved me from. I'm going to think about what God has done for me instead. I'm going to turn my attention to the Word. I'm going to open up Psalms, and I'm going to be reminded of how good God is. I'm going to choose. Emotions are not something that happen to you. They're something that you can choose. If you get upset, somebody cuts you off in traffic, you have a bad day, you know, you can... Isn't it interesting that oftentimes that is related with physical ailments? You know, they say when you, when you have a, a headache, for example, oftentimes it's, re, it's, it's connected with a, a pain in the stomach, too, at the same time, that they bounce off of each other. If there's an argument, you, husband and wife have an argument in the home, isn't it amazing, that produces even physical, can cause us to begin having a dull memory. If your emotions and your mind can get upset, can cause great damage. To your temple. Stress. We need to talk about stress for a second. I believe that all stress is self-imposed. That might be a radical thought to you. Stress is something that you allow to happen. The mind is the center of stress. You have to agree to say, okay, yeah, I am stressed today, so I'm going to feel stressed. I'm not saying that Busyness is something that uh, that you have to agree with but what is stress anyways stress is the gap between our strength and the demands that are put upon us and what do we put in the middle there if we're not careful we put a lot of stress but you know the person who relies on the strength of God doesn't need to stress doesn't need to worry doesn't need to be ashamed Jesus said why do you worry about tomorrow Why do you worry about what kind of food you're going to eat or what kind of clothes you're going to wear? Don't you think that He's able to take care of you? You say, no, I have to do it! I've got to to pay the bills! And yeah, there is a practical side of that, but we've got to learn how to rely on Him so that we don't have to have that stress. Isaiah 40, such such a precious Scripture. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even the youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Let's close and talk about why it's good to seek a healthy temple. Why would it be good? Besides everything we've talked about so far. I believe tonight that God's will for us is that we would have length of days on the earth for his glory. Proverbs 10, verse 27. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Well, we know Proverbs is dealing in generalities. We know that there's, there are exceptions to the rule. We know that sometimes good people die young, and sometimes bad people live a long time too. But what the promise of God is this, that if we will care about these things, then we are giving ourselves a better chance to do more for the kingdom as time goes by. I'm so grateful for Pastor Mitchell. You know, Pastor Mitchell, who is the leader of our our movement, he's the one who started the, the Potter's House Church in Prescott, Arizona, uh, he took it over in 1970 and, and ushered in a, a wave of incredible revival and discipleship and church planting. And uh, Our fellowship today is a machine of discipleship. And a lot of that has to do with Pastor Mitchell's devotion to the kingdom of God. I want you to think about that. How old was Pastor Mitchell when he took over the church in Prescott? Do you know? He was 40 years old. He was not a young man. And the reason I mention that is because, you know, we just lost him a few years ago. He was, I think he was 98 years old. 98. You know what the average age for men in America is? It's like 75. So he beat the odds. His days were lengthened. And aren't we glad that we had Pastor Mitchell for a length of time that was beyond the average? That we had his ministry. We had his example. We had an incredible vision that was passed on to us and that many of you, you benefited personally from his preaching and his ministry. You heard him preach. Many of you did. But what if he had died when he was 60 years old? What if he had died in 1990, for example, when our fellowship was experiencing a pain of of a, a, a large split that was happening and his leadership wasn't there? You know what I'm saying? Like, there... There is value to having a body that was able to carry him even into his older years. We know that it's no guarantee. Obviously, things can happen, mistakes, tragedies, illnesses that can fall upon people. But isn't it amazing that he gave himself the chance, by treating his body well, to live into his older years? You know, I'm looking at my grandmother, who has just had her 99th birthday. She was born in 1923. Now, some people look at her and say, why would you want to live that long? I I hope that I don't live that long. And why would people say that? Well, because many people have seen those who are struggling with with health-related problems in their old age. Well, I, I don't want to live like that. Yeah, you're right. We don't want to suffer. But what we do want to have is the chance To do something with greater effectiveness for as long a time as we possibly can. You know what you don't find? You don't find people who are 95 and healthy who are saying, I just want to leave. I'm just done with life. Like, if you're 95 and healthy and feeling good, like... You've you got the whole world. you got 95 years of life. Some people look to the, you know, to the elders of the book of Genesis and those, those, uh, those uh, original you know, uh, people that were before the flood, they lived to and 900 years old, and people suppose, man, how could you live that long? That would be horrible. I don't think so. How much could you learn in 800 years? How many children could Adam and Eve have in 800 years? I mean, that's a pretty big family reunion. Ten generations sitting around the dinner table the whole world right I mean that sounds pretty good that's kind of the draw of eternity isn't it that we can continue learning growing and advancing in the kingdom But I want to tell you we are limited in this life and if we want to do something that's going to last for the kingdom we've got to give ourselves a physical opportunity to do that it's good not just for our bodies it's good for our future for our children, and for your ministry. Your faith, believe it or not, is good for your health. One study shows that the more a person goes to church, the more likely they are to be in good physical health. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you, get, if you would get angry about somebody messing up our church building, maybe you ought to think about what happens when you mess up your own physical body by putting junk into it. And overeating and getting addicted to medicines and, and chemicals. I'm not saying that every prescription is evil, but you know what? Our bodies can grow addictions to certain things that is unhealthy and unstable. This message is not just about physical health. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, advocating a gym membership tonight, but I am hoping that you would be inspired to live a more healthy life. Body, mind, and spirit my prayer is that you would last to 90 95 100 serving the Lord setting an example for your family and doing well for the kingdom wouldn't that be amazing to see your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren I am so blessed because my kids are able to know their great-grandmother don't you want to meet your great-grandkids and teach them a few things before you leave wouldn't that be amazing? What about in the faith? Don't you want to see who God's going to save 30 years from now and 40 years from now and 50 years? From, don't you want to see what God's going to do with the potter's house in Virginia Beach? Don't you want to be a part of that? I do. And a lot of that ability, setting us ourselves up for success, is simply paying attention to a few small things that everybody here can do. And if we will, it's worth it tonight. Let's bow our heads. we don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon Podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast. Or on pod chaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.